so the next question is, uh, can we say that uh, South Africans have been psychologically programmed to see foreign nationals as competition? Okay. Um, I'll start now. First of all, actually, together in the discussion about the prevailing issues that are in the country. We try to make everything that we know, we try to put it up here, but the situation is really down here on the ground. This is the reality of the situation that we're dealing with. We have, let's put it, let's have an example, Alexandra, and the oldest township in South Africa. It's been there forever, promised service delivery and all things great after, after 1994. What did they get instead? Absolutely nothing, and the situation keeps getting worse. And then just down the street or across the street, we then get Sentin. Sentin being the richest place that you can have in, in, in Africa, richest square mile. And in that richest square mile, who do you usually see? You see the richest white people, the richest Nigerians, the richest Zimbabweans, the richest this, the richest that. You see every other person besides you, the South African, being the richest person in the world, enjoying what is supposed to be your wealth or your contribution or what you are supposed to get after independence. And that's just, the, that's just basically what it is. It's basically people going, like, you know what? I am sick and tired of waiting and asking and begging for the government to help me get something out of this contract that I made with them. Nothing is coming out of this. So I'm going to start getting rid of the problems one by one. They strike every single time against, against unfair wages, against the employers, because the employers are a problem. The employers are not allowing them to be economically emancipated. They just don't. It just doesn't work. Literally, right now, a packet of potatoes, 10 kgs, it's 190 rand. 10 kgs of potato is 190 rand. How are you going to make that on 3,500 minimum wage when you have kids, when you have fees, when you have rent? And as you leave that reality, you see just down the street, you might in your street at the corner, a Nigerian selling drugs or someone prostituting themselves and they're running away or driving around in a Mercedes Benz. How? You've done everything right. You've legally lived your life. You've made sure that you learn with the law. You've never done anything wrong against the country. But what happens to you? You're the one who's always begging for attention in your own country. And that's the gist of the argument. We might try to intellectualize it and be like, you know what, guys, this government has failed us. Yes, they have. We might try to come up with pointers like, but we're supposed to be brothers. Yes, we are. But how are we going to be brothers if every single time I turn around and I look at someone, the first thing I see is anybody else but me having the best time of their life. And you know what? I would target, personally, if I were to be one of them, I would target Black foreigners for two reasons. One, easily accessible. They don't have security guards protecting them. They don't have people just surrounding them. They don't have high wires, high walls, and barbed wire. They don't have that. They are right there next door. So they're going to be the first people that I come after, number one. Number two, they are going to be the first person that I can immediately, immediately confront for my problems. And you know what happens when I do something to them? As has been proven by history. People talk. Suddenly, xenophobia is a conversation we've been having for four years. Suddenly, the government has decided, you know what? Let's actually stop people from just having, uh, from national, from, let's stop foreigners from having small businesses in the township. Suddenly, the government is doing something because we complained. That's how it works, and that's how it's always going to work. Thank you, Boris. Dimbo, would you like to reply to that? I think I won't reply, but I'd, I'd rather want to ask a question. Um, in what you are saying, and I'd, I'd say even, even before that, the hate for another person to, to be able to attack and do all of those things. 
as as a people, as black people in South Africa? Have we really gotten to the point where we hate ourselves so much and hate the state of our nation so much that in response to our problems, the first thing we think of is attacking another person who looks exactly like us, by the way. And then the next question I have for you is, 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 is this the South Africa and Africa you have like envisioned for, for our future generations and all of that? Is, is that the Africa you want to see? The same one that she's speaking about on whereby you, you attack whoever and, and all of that? Is, is, is that the, the reality you want your children, your grandchildren and all of those people to live in? I think Umam Nandisa also has a response. So, yeah. Um, look, what I want to say is that um, we, we, we can dwell, like, you know what, as, um, in, in South Africa, like, you know what, South Africans are this and this. South Africa is not the problem here. The biggest problem, as much as you're saying our brothers, same skin color, the biggest problem, it's the Africans. We, we mustn't shy away from dealing with this, from the root cause. Because if you want to deal with the problem, you must get to the root cause. South Africa came later to this democracy. These are the failed African countries. What did they do? Today they are here in South Africa, fighting for their survival in South Africa. Why can't they say, you know what? We need help. Already we are being labeled that white people, they own everything in South Africa. We don't own anything. But yet they are fighting for the very same crimes that they are saying we are begging for. Again, I will repeat, South Africa didn't have a chance to breathe in 1994. We couldn't do anything. Even the government that is on power, they got so overwhelmed because everybody started saying, we are brothers, we are sisters, we are what what, and they flooded this country. So we didn't have some time to reflect on ourselves and start fixing things. And then it's okay, fine. Let's go and source this. Let's bring in from our African brothers. No. They just flooded and then they started like, you know, putting their grounds that, no, this is home, this is what, what, which is something that they failed to do it under the apartheid to say children are dying, youth is dying in South Africa, let's go and rescue them. I will take an example of Nigeria. Nigeria killed a student, accusing them of taking their women. Those people, they had to be recalled, come back to South Africa. Nigeria in 1983, they had the same problem where Ghana was flooding their country, where they couldn't do anything. They had to send them back. Like now what is happening in Africa, recently Nigeria was saying, put Nigerians first. Same thing with Ghana. But when it comes to South Africa, because South Africa doesn't have leadership and we need to call a spade a spade, they are spineless, boneless leadership. They can't do anything. And now people, they need to stand up and say enough is enough because this is a level of abuse. We, 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 we're not saying we hate. Don't use that term that we hate. We don't hate, but we need to correct the problem that we have in Africa. South Africa is not a solution for Africa's problem. That's where we go wrong. And being political correct and try to please the world, it's not going to help Africa. It's going to destroy the continent as a whole. South Africa is the only better country at the current moment. Yes, we might be mocked by everybody, but I don't understand why they're mocking, but you're forcing yourself in this country. It's not going to help. In order for Africa, for our children to be corrected, people, they need to position themselves in their own countries. 
we are we are a rich continent no african child should be begging no african child to be looking at the united nations to 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 fund no we are the enablers of slavery we are the enablers of exploitation and if we're gonna cover it up to saying like you know what we hate each other i'm black and what we need to correct each other we, we need to face like the reality how do we help zimbabwe we cannot help them while they're here vandalizing the infrastructure we cannot we need to face the reality south africans there are a lot of south africans educated ones but because the wage is a problem you know like you know if i'm a qualified ca this is the amount that i must get but when they come from zimbabwe they're like no it's okay i'll take the offer so so we're having a problem it's not hate and we want a united africa but africa cannot unite in south africa by running away from their problems there i'm gonna say you are wrong thank we you need to, like really Oh, okay. We really need to look is, at the problem. So what do you As think it, the implications of a borderless Africa would be now that we've, we've just touched on the topic? Okay. Um, look, it, it can work, the borderless Africa. As long as people, they don't say borderless Africa sitting in South Africa, it can work. And actually, it can even strengthen our position where we can determine the price of gold, not being told from Europe, where we can determine the price of our resources. That can work. And I'm, look, I'm pushing for that, but in, not in the way that is being like, you know what, enforced now, that South Africa must welcome everything. No, no. We, we need to get to the real cause of the problem. Once we get there, let's try to fix it. Let's not deal with the symptoms. If we allow this, like everybody to come here, then the, the African countries, they will never be saved. Never. Well, for me, when I look at the current situation, um, yes, obviously we 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 cannot uh, we cannot say South Africa must carry the whole weight of Africa. Um, from a Zimbabwean perspective, I'd I'd love to 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 go back home. I'd love to earn my LOM, LOD and go back home. I'd like to write my literary works and go back home, but. The problem here we are facing right now, like what um, Nandisa said, we have spineless leaders. Spineless leaders, leaders will do not give a damn a fuck or a fuck about the current situation of hashtag Zimbabwean Lives Matter. We saw democracy being ripped in Zimbabwe. We saw journalists who have exposed corruption in Zimbabwe being arrested for more than 40 days but the very same south african government that says it's going all kumbaya with the zanu pf government that has betrayed democracy it's very it's very concerning to 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 the extent kuti for me that is the existential question that i'm asking myself in the sense that i'm fortunate that i'm, I'm part of the south african community that has allowed me to to broaden my horizons and, and to understand the concept of freedom of expression. But now if you're trying to express your views as a, as a young person in Zimbabwe, let's take for instance, there's a, um, there, is a, there is a youth leader back in Zimbabwe called uh, Kuzanai Gadziwari, right? He's, he, he expressed his, his, his stern critique of the current regime of Emerson Mnangagwa. He's, how I many, how old is he? He's like 25 years old. 
but as we speak, as we speak right now, is in prison. Now, as a politically woke young man, who are, who's understanding the who's gradually understanding the dynamics of South Africa and Zimbabwean relations, if I express my views, saying allow me to express my views, I know in Zimbabwe I'm going to be arrested when I do not have a home. So where must I go? That's the question. If the if the government of Siro Matamela Ramaphosa is not saying Emerson Mnangaga, what you are doing to Zimbabwe is fucked up. Where must I go? If I go to Mozambique, Mozambique is, is up in flames. Cabo Delgado is, 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 is up in flames as we speak. Where must I go? If I, if I, see, if I'm, if I'm able to live in a, a comfortable life, not saying I want to take away a South African's position. Can I express my talents and, and find my place uh, within the South African community and try to uh, and, uh, encourage South Africa and the South African community through my talents and also go the legal degree that I'm working on, at least. The question is, I don't know for some Zimbabweans, but that is the existential question that I'm asking myself. Where do I go? I cannot go to America. I don't want to go to America. I cannot go to Europe. The only home that I know is Africa. The question is, where do I go? You saw how, how the South African government reacted to the to, to protesters, or rather, yeah, protesters at, at who protested for the hashtag Zimbabwean Lives Matter around August, July. That's these South African South African police services started firing tear gas. That's an antagonistic re re reaction that is expressed by the South African government, mm -hmm. which shows that mm -hmm. sadly they are accepting the current situation that is in Zimbabwe. They want it to be as it is. The question that I'm putting to the floor that is uh, critical is where would a Zimbabwean who wants to live an honest life go? Where? Thank you. Thank you for your answer, Ernest. Thank you for the comment. We're going to move on now to the treatment of foreign nationals by officials. So looking at uh, the fact that universities have to comply with strict um, legislative requirements um, to admit foreign nationals, which include, among others, um, they must ensure that um, the student is not taking the place of a South African student. Um, each foreign student must have a South African medical aid. Um, they must pay off for their whole entire medical, excuse me, for their whole entire academic year once off. And these regulations seem to be um, in contrast with uh, SEDEX protocol, which is aimed at improving the quality of education in the Southern region. And also, if we look, have a look at um, the treatment overall, uh, hum the Human Rights Watch released a report which stated that foreign nationals were disproportionately targeted for counterfeit goods, excuse me. And then in August 19, uh, 2019, SAB specifically targeted um, foreign national shops uh, to check for counterfeit goods. Um, however, when you look at the, the, the foreign nationals that are being targeted, it's mostly black foreign nationals and it's televised all over. Whereas when you see Chinese nationals um, doing um, illegal things in the country, we don't see much of it being documented or being televised everywhere. So the media mostly publicizes um, uh, the criminal, criminal activities of black foreign nationals. What do you have to say about that? So specifically, let's start off with the international students. How does it make you feel like 
with all of these strict legislative requirements, uh, how, how, how are you able to cope? Is life not more difficult? Are things got more expensive when you're this side? How is it as an international student in a South African tertiary institution? It is frustrating. It is frustrating to the extent that all I want is a basic education, all right? Higher tertiary institutional education. An education that I know by the end of maybe four or five years of my study, I am somebody. Now, I am one victim of an elitist uh, uh, structuralized um, system. That is, that is what, what we have now colloquially termed as financial exclusion. I was financially excluded by the University of Pretoria because my mother couldn't send me 36,723 rands. If you try to go to the, to, to what is called, to the accounts department, they'll tell you, are you working? But my visa, I do have any form of employment, but my visa clearly states that if I must not get any employment in South Africa. Now that's the current situation, you do not have anywhere to go. And it is, heartaching and incapacitating from a victim of an elitist system. Yes, I know these are the laws, we need to protect our environment and all, but what about individuals who are now becoming victims of circumstances? Victims of circumstances in the sense that the government that is supposed to, bear in mind for me to be here in South Africa, I do not have any bursary, I do not have any sponsor. I do not have any company that is paying for me. It is my mother who is paying for me. The, the whole, my, from medical aid to, to tuition, to rent, to everything. Now, you, 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 you can't witness a, a situation whereby you don't have anything to do, anywhere to go, anyone to turn to. What must I do? That is the question that I would ask myself. For me, as a, as a victim of this elitist, um, jargon. But however, I had a friend of mine who said that even the, the local South African is also experiencing the same treatment. But however, now if you look at it for my own ex experiences, the, the, the accounts department of the University of Pretoria will tell you, do you have 36,723? No. Are you working? No. Other than that, you're not going to come to school. That is the reason I, for me, I had to go back, retreat, dig up my talents, I was, I've been writing a, a short story novel since 2018. And then I like come back again. At least if I, if I sell each copy 150 rands, each 150 rands that is being bought, that is being handed over as I trade my talents is guaranteeing me that one, my mother is not experiencing pressure. Two, I can now pay for my own, for myself. So answering your question, uh, Zippo said to, is that Yes, it's legislation, it's, it's laws, but some of these laws, when you look at them, they are hellbound and focused on frustrating us black international students. Because if you go, if you look, if you ask any international student who is black, they'll tell you the international students de department is cuck, is bullshit. Because they treat us like shit. But if you see, the, the white international student, that white international student from Belarus, from Belgium, from Finland, from Italy, he or she is treated like royalty. Just because I'm darky, they are out here fucking me up. 
it's very, very frustrating because you don't have anyone or anywhere to. Okay, you might have relatives, right? Relatives don't give a shit about you. Some will tell you, like, for me, they'll tell me, like, I'm fine, it's up to you and your life. Don't put us in your problems. So it's a very, very fucked up situation, Kuti. You do not have anywhere to turn to. It's either you have friends, it's either you have your own talents. Those two things, they are going to help you survive in South Africa. I am a living testament. Thank you so much. Um, oh yes, Boris, you, you can go. Ahead. I got cut off. Um, I assume the question was with regards to I picked up from Iranian. His uh, the question was with regards to how the South African government or legislature sort of like uh, affects international people and South Africans essentially, isn't it? My my take on that is that I'm gonna come back to what I said earlier which was that it's only in reaction that the South African government is, is, is working. Case in point, again, I come back to the case where I said there's a bylaw in Gauteng that is now going to forbid um, foreign nationals from being able to get engaged in certain, in certain areas, economical areas with, within the, uh, the, town, the township. They can't participate in those areas. This is so that this is just to allow uh, the locals of that area to be able to blossom and to be able to recapture the economy in a, in a sense. One, two, um, with the South African laws when it comes to international students, let's be fair, South African institutions, first of all, that cater for South Africans and welcome international students. That's pretty much the, the, the mandate. So obviously they need to abide by certain laws. They need to abide by them because if they don't abide by those laws, then we have a sort of like uh, the same situation that Nandis was complaining about, which is when the law is being disobeyed by foreign nationals. And we have a case where an organization in this case is also sidestepping those laws so that they can increase their profit margin. So in actual fact, when universities do what they do to international students, not only are they making sure that they practice the law, but they are also making sure that they are that they show us that as a citizen of South Africa, they are fully compliant, they're cognizant, and they want to engage, and they are also responsible. Because if they don't do that, if they don't comply to those rules, it's just going to carry on and on and on and on. So it's it's a shame. It is that slightly the disadvantage is that international students are disadvantaged. But again, if we allow people who are not capable of sustaining themselves to come into the country and sustain themselves, they're going to again just have the situation that we have now, where we have poor foreigners coming into the country and doing some sort of legal activities to sustain themselves. We're, we're lucky that Ivan Nash is just using his talent. He could have been doing something else. He could have been selling drugs on the side, but he's one of the good ones. The ones that aren't doing that are the ones we, we see on campus. They're the ones selling meat. They're the ones who tell us about heavy substances like, I, I don't know, Mandrax. I didn't even know that was a drug. They're the ones who are selling those things. So we're lucky that he started to go with his talent. But with the other ones, not so much. So in my opinion, we need to make sure that these laws are respected. We need to make sure that people can sustain themselves when they come into this country. We need to do this. So as to make sure that when, when, when push comes to shove, they don't become our burden. They can fix themselves. Because right now, as a country, 
we can barely afford our own selves. We are in debt. Why do we need to carry other debts? Doesn't make sense to me. Yes, I, I do have a comment. Um, look, it is sad what is happening to the African community. It, it's very painful, but we, we cannot keep on blaming other people for our own problems, right? As South Africans, we are doing um unfortunately it will feel like we are blaming you we are just vocal about the things that are happening it is not right that they exclude you from um, school just because you don't have thirty-six thousand. they should have other means but as you can see south africa is in so much debt as we are speaking we can barely accommodate our own people we have students that they cannot register because they don't make it to the nsfas fund right so those, those things, we cannot save them as, um, solve them as one country. We, we, we need to, to, to go back to the organizations, where the ones that are said they are useless. The United Nations, right, and the AU and the SEDEC, they need to come on board when it comes to those international um, student exchange programs to make sure that there is some funding for such cases when you can't, when you already started studying and then your parents, they cannot... Um, give you money to continue. So they need to come and pitch in. So I feel like, you know what, there, yes, um, it is not right for you to be excluded. Of course, you're gonna feel like an outsider. But again, it goes back to what I said, that um, what we are talking about now, we are only like um, exchanging a word regarding the symptoms. We, we really need to dig deeper and look and look at the, at the root cause. I understand when you're saying like, you know what, if in Zimbabwe, you, you speak, then you'll be arrested. Where will you go? But look, you cannot run away forever and come to South Africa because you are also creating another problem. But now the question is, how do we help each other? Trying like, you know what, um, instead of like, you know, having an organization, there's this other one, African Dia something. Instead of having an organization in South Africa to come and fight South Africans, those are the organizations that we can have and unite to say, how do we go back to Zimbabwe? as this organization with the protection from the AU, from the SEDEC, from the UN, to make sure that, you know what, Zimbabwe rise again. How do we do that? Because it, it is not going to be helpful that you are frustrated here and then you've got here to say, look, South Africans are not right, you're coming to fight them. We're falling exactly in the arms of the enemy. Like you said earlier on, that, um, look, that the African country, oh, I said it, you repeated they are spineless. But how do we, like now, as us, to say, how do we help each other? That instead of, like, you know what, these leaders exploiting and then selling to Chinese and everybody, how do we assist you? And then you can remain in the country with the aid from your country. So we really need to look at the solution than pointing at each other, but also not taking advantage of each other in the process. I think... What Sister Nandisa has spoken is, is, is true. I think the, the first port of call from an international student's perspective is you have to look within yourself. <laughs> that was one of the realizations that I had. If I hadn't looked at myself since 2018, could I, like for me, as just a snippet, with I was never ready and many other stories was just a side project that I've been working on since 2018, just because I like writing. 
I, I like advocating for, for women's rights and children's rights. It came, you know, the thing is, uh, the question is, that is the, the critical question that, that we have to ask ourselves, and I've been asking myself, is how can the South African community assist me to live a, a manageable, honest life in South Africa? Because for me, it would be a betrayal to my own moral code. It would be a betrayal to my own Pan-African code that I subscribe to. It would be a betrayal to myself as Ivana Ashe, who's in South Africa and who's harming his own community through selling of drugs, through, yeah, through selling of drugs and, or, or being a drug mule. However, the critical question is, the only way we can solve this problem, I'm just borrowing from Sisnandisa's uh, comment, is we need, we need a, we need a firm structural uh, 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 institution that starts from the microcosm going up, because alone, because if we try to solve problems on the on the surface, we are we are, we are not completing, we are not solving the equation in itself. Now the question is now if such persons like for instance Ashe, who's now seeing hope to come back to school. How are you going to use your opportunity or your voice or your, your voice of reason or your voice of influence to, to raise that comment, that critical question like international students, we need to be able, maybe if it is possible, we need to come up with a fund that we as international students, like Sisnandis are saying, we as international students, let's donate maybe a hundred rands every month for the next 12 months, like in one pool. Ivainashe, if, if, like, uh, if another student like Ivainashe falls into this situation, they do not burden the South African economy. We have our own mini bank that say, hey, listen, we're gonna allow, we're gonna ask you to sign this, this, this contract, but we expect you to pay back this money. Like that is the only solution we can solve. Uh, 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 we can help each other as, as, as the locals of South Africa and as international students.